Hello, fight fans. Welcome to episode 348 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Montero. As always, I remind you guys, please make sure you subscribe here on YouTube and all of my social media accounts. It's an easy, easy name to remember. Montero on Boxing. M-O-B. Bob. Get it? It's really easy. It's right up there in the corner of the screen. So uh, make sure you're following me on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. And I think that's it. I think that's it. Uh, If you can't watch the video of the show, it's all good. I know most of you guys don't. Most of you guys listen to the audio pod. Make sure that you're uh, following me on whatever podcast platform you prefer. The Neutral Corner is out there on all of them around the world. So uh, make sure you're subscribed and give us a like, a rating, a review, all that good stuff. Guys, the fee, the fee, as I always remind you, make sure that you pay that fee. I need you to spread word about the show. That's it. That's really all I ask. You spread word about the show. This is a word of mouth kind of thing. That's all I need you guys to do. That's all I ask. It's non-monetary. If you guys do want to help out in a monetary way, we appreciate those super chats. You can also donate to the show. Just check out my website, MonteroUnboxing.com. You can also go there and check out some MOB gear. We got t-shirts in uh, several different colors if you want to check out an MOB tee. Um, we always appreciate that. And Anything that we get from all that stuff, we put right back into the show. All right. So now all the preliminaries out of the way. Let's get into this uh, news and notes. Before I do that, uh, a couple comments. Some of you guys already getting in on the chat. Alexander jumping right in. I love this. He says, funny how if most of the t- if most of today's 160, 168 pounders were to face John Ryder, it would be their best opponent to date. And he's talking about Andre Munguia, Benavidez, Charlo, Jamal Charlo. He says, just saying. Obviously, Alexander is talking about uh, Canelo Alvarez and John Ryder. Um, that's the fight that is probably going to happen May 6th, probably in Mexico. And uh, that was met with some criticism on Twitter when we saw news breaking of that. So I'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, and I 100% agree with you, Alexander. 100% agree with you. So let, let's get into this, man. Um, let's see. Uh, news and or notes. Boom. There we go. I just got to get my banner on the screen, right? We got to make it official. We got to make this official. Uh, so let's talk about that and some other fights coming together. Canelo Alvarez, John Ryder, it's probably going to be Mexico, probably Jalisco, Mexico. And uh, look, that was met with some criticism, not only the opponent, but the location. Look, last time I checked, the undisputed super middleweight champion of the world is Canelo Alvarez. And last time I checked, the mandatory challenger is... John Ryder for one of his belts. Uh, this could have been Andre to Alexander's point. This could have been Andre or somebody else, but the guys that ended up fighting for it, it was Ryder and, um, oh my God, uh, Zach Parker, Zach Parker and John Ryder and John Ryder won that fight. He's the mandatory, but he ain't the champ. So the champ dictates terms. And if the champ wants to have a homecoming in Mexico, I think it's long overdue. And it's well within his right. Canelo Alvarez is the biggest star in boxing, and he has fought top opposition in recent years, um, cleaned out 168, moved up to 175, and fought either the best or second best light heavyweight in the world, came up short. There's no shame in that. So if he wants to handle a mandatory here and he wants to do that against John Ryder and wants to do it in Mexico, I say good for him. I, I don't know. Like This shouldn't be controversial now. If this is pay-per-view, then I'm going to have an issue. This is not a pay-per-view worthy fight. 
And I know some people will say, well, Canelo Alvarez is the top star in the sport. So when he fights, it's a pay-per-view event. Don't matter if he fights you, Mike. It's still a pay-per-view. My argument would be, if he fights me, no, it's not. He has to fight an elite-level fighter. Okay? And John Ryder, no disrespect, he's not a pay-per-view elite pound-for-pound level kind of guy. So that would be my only issue with this. If the zone makes this a pay-per-view across the board, um, look, I expect it to be pay-per-view in uh, countries like in the UK. It's probably going to be pay-per-view because it's a UK fighter. That's a marketing thing. That's a money thing. Um, maybe even in Mexico. I, I don't know. Uh, the, the I'm not sure if the finances work out with all that, but that's going to be a tough sell if it's pay-per-view in the States, man. That's going to be a tough sell, especially if it's $80, right? Uh, I think over in the UK, what what, what are the, the zone pay-per-views for you guys in the UK? Somebody let me know in the chat. Is it like 25 pounds, somewhere around there? That's not so bad. Over here in America, there's $75, $80, right? So so that, you know, for that price tag, man, you got to have a the right event. And so that, that's the only thing that I would take issue with, with this fight. Um, and I told you guys, this is going to be the course of action, right? I told you this. And then later this year, it's going to be interesting to see what Dimitri Bevel and his team want to do. Do they want to go down to 168 and fight Canelo in the fall? Uh, can that even happen? Depending on uh, Canelo and other mandatories and stuff he's got going on. Or does Dimitri Bivol say screw that and go right into the better BF fight? So there's things up in the air. Um, but for Canelo, obviously, you hope in September, should he be successful against Ryder, and I think most of us feel he will be, then you hope he fights an elite-level opponent, whatever he does, at the end of the year. We got a lot of time between now and then, and we'll talk about it between now and then. Uh, some other fights coming together. March 11th on Showtime from Sydney, Australia, Tim Zhu and Tony Harrison. You guys already knew about this fight, but it's official now for uh, March 11th. And the official broadcast here in the United States will be regular Showtime, which is good. Um, I'm sure this will be shown live. So I'm not sure exactly what time ring walks will be and all that, because you guys over in Australia, you're like in the future, <laughs> you're like a day in the future. So I don't know exactly what time yet, but it will be regular Showtime. And boy, does Showtime need some sort of high-level boxing programming right now. Um, not that I would call Tim Zhu a superstar. Certainly wouldn't. But this is definitely an interesting fight with real implications for the future because should Zhu win, of course, he wants Charlo, the main man. And, you know, he was supposed to fight him. That got messed up. Um, so a lot of people are going to have eyes on this. A lot of people in the boxing industry, at least. We know Zoo's a huge star over in Australia. We, we know that over in that part of the world, it's a huge star. But here in America, you know, the jury's still out. So it's an interesting fight. It's, it's one of the better matchups on paper, at least, with some importance, you know, with, with a build that Showtime's had in a while. So um, I'll definitely be watching that. And then March 18th on The Zone from California. Guys, I saw this. I got a comment on this, man. Gilberto Zerdo Ramirez fighting Gabriel Rosado. At 175. This is bad for Gabe Rosado. Now, now, now look, I love Gabe Rosado. I'm sure all you guys on the, on the show do too. He's the kind of fighter that you have to love if you're a diehard boxing fan because it's guys like him that make this sport go round and round. It's guys like him that keep the sport going, right? He is willing to fight anybody, and he has fought everybody. 
Uh, he's fought guys that are going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. Now, he's come up short most of the time when he has stepped up. But he's a warrior. He's willing to fight everybody. But at this stage, dude, fighting a guy who's a big 175-pounder. And I get it. Zerto's coming off a loss. I get in a pretty dominant one-sided loss. I get that. But Gabe Rosado? Somebody in this dude's corner needs to have a serious talk with him. Uh, I just hope that he doesn't get too beat up in this fight. On paper, Zerto is a massive favorite here. He has to be he's so much bigger. He's not maybe not as skilled and everything, but I actually do think that Zerto's skill set is somewhat underrated by a lot of people out there. He got completely dominated by Dimitri Bevel. Dimitri Bevel is one of the top five fighters on earth right now. There's no shame in that if you get outclassed by a guy like that. It doesn't mean you're trash. Um, Zerto has been a bit of a weight bully, and that's a lot of his success has been due to that. But what do you think he's going to be in this fight? He's the much bigger, stronger guy. So I don't like this. I just, I, I'm going to be nervous for Gabe. I just hope he doesn't get too beat up here. Um, and the co main, this was just announced Joseph Diaz Jr. will fight Mercedes uh, Gesta. That, that's a good scrap. That's a good scrap. And I think that's going to be at 135. I believe so. So, um, and of course, <clears throat> Mercedo guessed that he was supposed to fight Ryan Garcia in a tune-up last month. And it was Ryan Garcia that said, I don't want this, which he might regret, <laughs> probably already regretting it to a certain degree. I know Golden Boy is. Um, and uh, now he's going to fight Joseph Diaz. Okay. So uh, that's it for like upcoming fights to talk about right now. I want to talk about this one quick subject. Um, and those of you who follow me on Twitter, you saw me tweet about this. In fact, you know what? Let me pull up the, the tweet, and I'll go ahead and share it with you guys, if I can find it real quick. Hopefully, if I can find it real quick, then uh, I'll show you guys what I'm talking about here. But I tweeted about <clears throat> Jermall Charlo and the WBC this weekend. And this tweet went viral. Uh, I actually tweeted about him several times. But there was one tweet in particular that you know kind of caught on, and there was a lot of people. A lot of people talking about this. So it kind of started a thread and I've talked to, you know, again, I tweeted probably five or so different tweets about just what's going on at 160 right now. Uh, that division is completely in shambles, just in shambles at this point, man. Uh, let me go ahead and share my screen. Present, boop, boop, boop. share screen. Boom. There we go. Can you can guys see that. And so I wanted to pull this up just to read it. Um, you see here over 80,000 views this tweet got. So this this tweet made some rounds, right? Almost 600 likes. And I said, uh, Jamal Charlo went pro in 2008. That is 15 years ago. He, is only, he has only 32 pro bouts, fought just nine times since 2016. Somehow, the WBC has allowed him to hold on to his middleweight title despite having not fought in 600-plus days. What happened here? And I noted, I saw this on uh, BoxRec when I pulled up his record. BoxRec actually lists Jamal Charlo is inactive, and they list his career being from 2008 to 2021. So they don't even have him as an active fighter as of last year, let alone this year. Crazy, right? So um, I thought that was very interesting that BoxRec listed him as an inactive, basically a retired fighter. That's how they listed him in the system. And that's just a systemic thing because if you've been inactive for a certain number of days, boom, you go on the inactive list. That's not like some political thing or anything. Uh, some you know, like personal decision somebody made. That's just, they have an algorithm built in and boom, that's what it was. 
so I should also mention this weekend, Jamal Charlo puts out a tweet or it might've been an Instagram post, whatever, where he's hitting a, I think a double end bag. And he says, you know, I've been out of the ring for a while. I need to take a break. I'm going to come back and defend my title in June. I'm sorry, guys. Sorry for the inactivity. That's basically what he said. Okay. He last fought in June of 2021. And this isn't to beat up on Jermall Charlo. It's his life. It's his career, whatever. Okay. This is more so directed at his management, the WBC in particular, and them being in bed with Charlo's management and allowing this and the state of American boxing in general right now. And I am specifically talking about American boxing. This inactivity problem is prevalent throughout the sport, but it is way, way more prevalent in American boxing, American fighters. And there's countless examples I could bring up, right? We talk about it all the time on the show. But Charlo last fought June 2021. So if he fights this June, and by the way, there's no opponent named. There's no date, no venue, no details, none of that. He just said in a post, I'm going to be back in June. Well, that's two years. June 2023, June 2021. And as I mentioned in my tweet, it's 600 plus days since he fought Juan Montiel. If he does defend in June, that's a two-year gap. The WBC is allowing this to go on. Um, last time I checked, fighters, champions have to defend against a mandatory challenger. It used to be once a year. Now there's exceptions and all this. And now there's all these interim belts and all this difference or interim uh, championships and diamond belts and gold and silver belts and all this stuff. Okay. But at 160, that division has completely stalled out since Demetrius Andrade, Jaime Munguia, and Jermall Charlo have moved up and they've for, for Munguia, he's gotten into contention, but he doesn't have a title, but Andrade had a title. He, he gave it up. And then Charlo has a title. This division has completely lost all momentum. It is completely stalled out. And Andrade had a chance to fight um, Janibek, Alokanawa, right? That that would have been a big fight. Mungia has had opportunities to fight. Was it Andrade or was it Charlo? He was lined up for a mandatory. These guys have all basically avoided each other. Charlo and Andrade for years kind of circled around each other. And at one point, it was actually Andrade who walked away from a fight with Charlo. These guys have completely stalled the division. 160 is shit right now. The only bright spot is that Gennady Golovkin, at 40 years old, has two unified belts right now. Coming off a loss to um, Canelo Alvarez, that was pretty one-sided. I get that, but that was at 168. His last fight at 160 was a knockout over a former Olympic gold medalist uh, to, to unify belts. So that's where Golovkin is right now. He's obviously at the tail end of his career and can – I, we all know he's going to fight Jaime Munguia at some point, whether it's this year or next year. I think his next fight's going to be against Erislandi Lara, which is a pretty good fight on paper. That should be entertaining because of where they're both at in their careers. Um, the slippage with Triple G is going to make Lara more um, competitive. That should be pretty fun. But I bring all this up, okay, because the WBC allowing this, basically allowing a guy to go 600 plus days without even having a fight that's officially like on the schedule. That's crazy. When I can pull up other examples where the WBC has either stripped guys of their title or 
name them champion in recess or something like that and named an interim champion, elevated a guy from interim to full champion, that sort of thing. That hasn't happened here. When you couple that with what they're doing at 147 with Errol Spence and what's being allowed to go on there, and there's a couple of other examples I could bring up, it's not a good look for this organization. I like a lot of things the WBC does. I truly do. I talk about that all the time on the show. I give credit where credit's due. But this is another example of them being in bed with a particular promotion. And again, the WBO is in bed with their promotion as well. Okay. This goes in all directions, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're equal. Okay. Um, a bank robber and a serial killer are both criminals but they're not necessarily the same level of criminal. You understand where I'm going with this? So just because um, all these sanctioning groups are kind of in bed with their own promoters and networks and they kind of, you know, help each other out, doesn't mean it's all equal or all the exact same. What's going on with the BC and some of these American fighters that fight under the premier boxing champions platform in recent years. And let's add the WBA to that is it's just a bad look. And I don't blame fighters and fans from other parts of the world who look at this and say, I don't even want to play in their game. I don't even want to play in their game. I'm going to go over here and do my thing. I don't blame people for thinking that way. I really don't. Um, one last thing on this, and I tweeted about this this weekend too. For years, when Gennady Golovkin was cleaning out the middleweight division and fighting three, four times a year, knocking everybody out who was willing to not duck him and actually get in the ring with him, making financial concessions, taking short money to give these to get these fights off and, and being the best value, bang for the buck in the sport for several years. There were a lot of these unpaid interns and haters that were saying 160's trash right now. It's a weak division. There's nothing going on. 160's trash. Golovkin isn't proven. He hasn't fought anybody, blah, blah, blah. Well, Golovkin actually, as I mentioned, three, four fights a year, all that good stuff. But he actually unified belts. He beat other champions, uh, either current or former champions. And it all culminated in two epic, all-time great level fights with Canelo Alvarez. Regardless of who you feel won those fights, whatever, I'm not even talking about that. They were outstanding fights. They were the last super fights in the sport of boxing that we've had. And I don't want to hear no shit about Mayweather's fight with Pacquiao or any of this crap or you know any of that stuff. Uh, that was before Triple G Canelo. But I'm just saying uh, Mayweather's exhibitions with Conor McGregor and all this. I know technically it wasn't an exhibition. Should have been. Or any of this other stuff. Fury Wilder wasn't on this level. In terms of global interest, super fights. Canelo Golovkin, those were the last two super fights this sport has had. Seriously. That's what we were getting at 160 during that era. So as much as all those guys talk shit, those unpaid interns, where are they now? Because the last couple of years, 160 has been dog shit. And the only bright spot has been a guy who's 40 years old right now and still has two belts. And recently fought one of the top pound-for-pound -pound fighters in the world. And lost, but was competitive. So um, got to bring that up, okay? What's good for the goose is good for the gander. All right, let's get into this review. But first, some super chats. Let's get these super chats. First up, my man Sam, the super chat. Thank you so much, brother. Agreed. Uh, thank you. He said, why did Triple G give up the belt? What belt? Did Triple G give up a belt? Did I miss this? 
Oh, let's see. Golovkin vacates. I'm Googling. Um, well, then, I stand corrected. Thank you, Sam. Uh, okay, let's read this article together. You guys can see how out of the loop I am these days taking care of an infant. Let's read this together. You guys got it? Okay. Gennady Golovkin. Well, what the hell? Gennady Golovkin vacates IBF middleweight title to fight on. He relinquished his IBF belt. Uh, can't really blame him after the IBF screwed him in the past. Um, Golovkin moved up to 168 for an undisputed championship against Canelo Alvarez, blah, blah, blah. Golovkin still had two titles at 160. And he has the WBA and IBF, right? Uh, bum, 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 bum. So in light of the impending deadline for, so the number one contender with the IBF was Iskiva Falcao. And I guess they don't want to fight him. The WBA ordered him to fight Irislandi Lara. So it looks like it looks like Golovkin may just want to go forward with Lara. Golovkin's lucrative deal with the zone expired following his loss to Alvarez. He is now a promotional and network free agent. So the IBF will order a vacant title fight between its two top contenders, Brazil's Falcao and Australia's Michael Zarafa. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, look, I, I haven't talked to anybody in Golovkin's camp in a while. Honestly, I haven't talked to anybody. Um, but it looks like he would rather fight Lara than Falcao. And if that ends up happening, then I got to say, I rather would see that fight too. I'd rather see Golovkin against Lara than Golovkin against Falcao. And um, should Falcao and Zarafa fight for the vacant IBF, maybe Golovkin could try to unify with them later. I don't know. Um, but there it is. So he's not a unified champ anymore. So ignore what I said just a minute ago. One of the titles is going to be vacant, but I still contend that Golovkin is still really the only bright spot at 160 right now. Um, you could say Janibek as well, but he still hasn't had his big moment, right? And we still need to see him get in there against an elite level guy and and show us that he's elite himself. Uh, so let's see. Yeah, a couple of you guys in the chat were like, didn't Triple G vacate his IBF belt? Yep, yep, yep. All right. Okay, so yeah, again, if Triple G ends up fighting Lara instead of Falco, I'm all I'm all good with that, and I don't mind him dumping the IBF. It is what it is. All right, um, review time. Oh, wait, 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 wait. We got one more super chat. Aaron with the super chat. Thank you so much. He says, "Love you, Big Mike. Always and forever are your abs 100% legit for really us." <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Um. My abs, I'm not doing the Oscar thing. Like Oscar did the, I don't know what surgery Oscar De La Hoya did, but I'm sure you guys have seen the pictures. It's almost like they paint abs on you. Dude, I'm never doing that shit. I'm going to age gracefully, okay? Um, my stomach could be a little flatter right now. I, I, I got the, the new dad thing going, but I'm still in pretty good shape. Definitely in better shape than most guys my age. Definitely in better shape than most fathers my age. But yeah, I can drop, you know, a couple five, 10 pounds of fat. But underneath that little blanket, there are abs. There are abs, my man. They're not painted on. They're just covered by a little blanket right now. But by the springtime, we hope that blanket is melted away. And um, 
the abs can come back out. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Last Saturday, February 11th, TGB promotions from the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. This was PBC on Showtime. And we got uh, a little upset special in the main event. Real quick, on the undercard, Cuban heavyweight Lanier Pero comes from behind, scores a TKO8 win over Ukrainian heavyweight Victor Vikerst. Uh, Pero was down on two scorecards at the time of the stoppage, but landed a big body shot. And Vikerst, or Vikerst, was a Vik, Vik, Vikerst, uh, claimed that uh, his rib. He had excruciating pain in his ribs, so maybe he broke a rib or something like that. Uh, there was some sort of injury, but he could not recover from that body shot, and boom, that's it. Uh, neither guy thoroughly impressed me, you know, um, but uh, Pero gets the win. In the co-main, Mario Barrios, TKO8 win over Giovanni Santiago. This was a 140-pound fight. Both guys are coming off two straight career losses, so this was pretty much a loser-goes-home match. And that's where Giovanni Santiago is at this stage of his career. For Barrios, he gets a dub here. Good for him. Um, still isn't, isn't a guy that I'd put in the top 10 in that division. Uh, in my opinion, never really was. Uh, briefly had a belt, but that was all politics. Uh, again, with the PBC and WBA and the partnership they have going. In the main event, upset special. This was a minor upset. Not a major, but a, a, according to the betting odds, this was an upset. Oshaki Foster, unanimous decision win over Ray Vargas, wins the vacant WBC junior lightweight title. That was Shakur Stevenson's belt. He gave it up on the scale when he couldn't make weight. So, um, first of all, the scorecards were a bit too wide. I thought Foster won this fight clearly, but I think one judge had it like 10 rounds to two. I don't know if that's the fight that took place, but either way, the right man won. The right man won. Um but betting favorite, I looked on a couple different sites. Going into this fight, Ray Vargas, who was the veteran fighter, he had faced the better opposition. He had won titles and defended them in the past. So coming in, he was a minus 140 favorite on some sites and a minus 220 favorite on some other sites. So um, he was the betting favorite, slight betting favorite coming in. And, you know, Vargas, he started at 122. He had five defenses of a title there has not looked the same since he moved up to 126 and 130. Uh, five foot seven, 70 inch reach. So at 122, he had a tremendous size advantage. And um, he was never a power puncher. He was never a stalker, uh, an exciting type of fighter in that regard. He was more of a sniper kind of guy who would counter and try to touch you from the outside. And he could kind of do that to dudes at 122. But since moving up, hasn't quite looked the same. Just not the same guy. So his style is not going to bode well at 130, where there's just stronger fighters, and it's probably just a stronger division right now. As for Foster, he has fought his entire career from 130, even as high as 140. He has a couple losses, but those were two eight-rounders early on in his career. Since he has moved up to like 10-rounders, he's undefeated since. He, he's an improved fighter. And he's an experienced fighter with over, I think, 100 amateur fights. He fought um, in nationals several times in the United States. So he does have a pedigree and a foundation that a lot of fans may not be aware of. I'll admit, coming into this, I really thought Vargas would get the benefit of the doubt in close rounds. And being in, I forgot that Oshaki Foster's from Texas. 
This fight took place in Texas. I was thinking Ray Vargas, Mexican fighter, former champion. He's the promotional guy. He's represented by PBC. I'm not sure if Foster is or not. And uh, at least Vargas was. It has been a PBC guy. He's fought on several of the cards for years. I just thought that, you know, he, he'd edge this. I, I did think it'd be competitive. But I thought that Vargas would win, as the odds makers did. I kind of saw it like they did. But Foster came in and took care of business. Good for him, man. Good for him. He um, This is a guy that did it the old school way. He's come up the hard way. I mentioned he had a couple of L's early on. There were eight-round fights. It's no big deal. And he learned from those L's. And now he's a champion. And I've talked about this on my show a bunch of times, too, on this channel. Texas. Texas has become number two in this country as far as producing talent, American talent in the amateurs behind California. California is still number one, and it probably will be for a while. Texas is number two. And when I talk about this, my, my New York dudes, my New Jersey dudes, you guys get really upset. You're like, nah, man, we're still in New York. Still... Dude, just look at the record. Right now, Texas is hot, dude. There, there are a lot of good fighters coming out of Texas, a lot. And um, it, it's it's Texas and it's it's Southern California. And if I were advising any young American fighter, hell, any fighter in the world, I would advise them, you either move to Southern California. If you don't like California, you can't stand it. It's too expensive, whatever. I, I'd move to Texas. Go to the Houston area, the Dallas area, even around San Antonio. You were going to get the best gyms uh, in the entire eastern half of the United States, honestly. And yes, I'm including New York in that. And that's probably going to upset some of you guys. I'm including Philly in that, in Chicago, uh, Detroit, Miami. Yes, Texas right now has a better scene, a, a hotter scene, and more going on in the gyms and the amateurs, the juniors, the kids coming up. There's just more juice there right now than any other part of the country, um, you know, east of Nevada. You know, uh, now now Vegas and, and Southern California and all that is still, that's still the, the top gym scene in the world. But traveling east of that, I'm sorry. And I know Philly's having a little comeback right now. There's some, you know, Philly fighters have done very well lately. And, and Florida's always got some some hot fighters. Ohio, you know, there's fighters from the, the Midwest. And so I, I get it. Telling you, man, Texas got, got a lot of juice right now, a lot of energy, and it's going to continue. It's going to continue. So um, good for good for him, man. Oshaki Foster. And several of you guys, by the way, in the comments, I know that you guys, several of you called it. You had you had Foster winning. Now everyone on Twitter is pretending that they predicted Foster would win. I don't know if that many people did, but I know several of you in the chat did uh pick Foster to win. So so good call on that, man. I totally got that one wrong. I will admit, though, I didn't really dig into that fight, that matchup too much. Um, I'm busy these days. But uh, let's see. Let's go back. We got another super chat right here. Sam, thank you so much for the uh, another super chat. He says, uh, Glendale, Arizona, having as many cards as Vegas. That's a great point, Sam. Arizona's definitely got some things going on, and that is a growing uh, market for sure. It's definitely a growing market for sure. Look, the whole southwestern United States, if you look at the demographics of boxing and the largest fan contingency here in America, and you look at the demographics of the country and where 
a lot of those folks live, <laughs> do the math. Um, so uh, it, when it comes to LA, I, I mean, you've got fighters from all over. You got the Eastern European fighters are coming in and relocating there. You've got Filipino fighters. Um, even do some of these guys from other Asian countries are coming in and training there. Um, of course, the Mexican American fighters, African American fighters. Um, I, there's even Irish fighters going to LA. So like everyone, there's like international thing going on there. But um, in Arizona, dude, yeah, there's they're building something there, and, and it, those are usually fun cards they have out there. <clears throat> okay, let's go to preview. Let's go to the preview. Let's do that. We got some action this weekend. Uh, best matchup on paper this whole month this weekend. So uh, Saturday, February 18th, Golden Boy Promotions has a card in Pomona, California. The Zone has two cards this weekend. Two cards. Nobody else does. Everyone else is kind of shit in the bed early in the year. Uh, so in uh, this main event for this PBC card, oh, I'm sorry, Golden Boy card, Luis Neri. Going up against Azat Havanesian. So Neri is 33 and 1. Havanesian 21 and 3. Los Angeles based. Just talking about LA, of course. This is a WBC junior featherweight eliminator. So the winner of this fight will be in line for a title shot. Neri is a southpaw, and Havanesian is an orthodox fighter. Um, Neri has fought the much better opposition. He's been in there with tougher guys. He has had some issues with weight some other extracurricular activities and um, that has caused controversy for him. There's been some ups and downs, some inconsistency, but on paper, he has faced the better opposition and he is the favorite in this fight. Uh, Crazy A, Azat Avanesian. He has won seven in a row since he lost to Ray Vargas. We just talked about in 2018. So he has won seven in a row, but if you look at the level of opposition, not necessarily top guys. So going up against Luis Neri, you got to favor the Mexican in this fight, but this is going to be a fun scrap. Crazy A is going to give him all he can handle and be very competitive. So um, that will be a fun one. And then Matchroom has a card in Nottingham, England. And again, this will also be on the zone. In the main event, Lee Wood, 26-2, and 34 years old, going up against Mexican Mauricio Lara, 25-2 in one. 24 years old. So that's the biggest thing here. These guys are pretty much the same size, height, uh, length, you know, reach, all that, but a 10-year age difference. And this will be the second defense of Wood's WBA featherweight title. Now, the odds, I looked this up. Lara is a minus 320 favorite. Wood is a plus 230 underdog. At least those are the odds last time I checked. Maybe it's changed. Maybe it'll change after the show. But those are the current odds. Uh, Lara has fought in the UK twice with success. Fought against Josh Warrington twice in 2021, right? Uh, so this is a guy who's been on the road. He has fought on the road. He has had success on the road in the past. Uh, some of it with controversy, but he has done pretty well on the road. Wood, four fights since 2019. Four fights. I'm talking 2020. To present, all right? He's had four fights. Lara has had eight, eight fights in that span. Most of it was weak opposition, except for those two fights against Warrington. So um, is activity going to be a factor here? So those are two things that jumped out to me, the age difference and the activity 
for both fighters in recent years. Both fighters have been stopped in their career just once. So uh, you'd expect these guys to be durable and, and give us some great action-packed rounds. You expect a great atmosphere. It's, it just comes down to uh, some, some of those X factors I brought up. Does activity matter here? Does uh, age play a factor? I do think it's fair to say Lara hits harder. He's a more powerful puncher, more explosive puncher than Wood. Uh, so all those things are going to come into play. I'm excited for this one. I think Lara being the betting favorite makes a lot of sense. He is, I'd, I'd say, uh, the more proven fighter, has fought overall better opposition. He has fought on the road before with success. You know, all those factors and then the age thing, everything else I brought up, I think the odds are right for this fight. I think that Lara should be the favorite. And I'm looking forward to this scrap. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Okay. So, let's see if we got some calls, shall we? Let's take some calls. We've got, uh, looks like Thad and Nacho on the line. Let's jump to Thad real quick. Thad, what's up, brother? How you doing, man? Hey, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I feel, I feel you. I feel you. You know, everything you're talking about, you know, we share a brain when it comes to boxing. So, you know, with the Charlo and, and, and all the shenanigans, spot on. And, uh, you know, I wish I could have more time to talk about that. But my, my whole thing is going to be a little selfish because I, I have a lot of parlays being closed this weekend with Laura. A small investment for a big return. Okay, a couple hundred to make a couple thousand. Like six different parlays. Now, I, I took Laura by knockout on, on a couple. I took Laura uh, straight up on a couple. And I also took the fight not going 12 on a couple. So I could cash out now. Like for maybe 30, 40, 70% of my, of my, um, investment or, um, or, or on the total totality of the, uh, the parlay, I should say, or I could ride it out. Now I was loving Lara for the reasons you mentioned age advantage, the fact he hits harder. He has the better jab. Not a lot of people know this about Lara. He has a great jab. That's why I like him. I, I have a bias though. You know, sometimes I, I get myself caught up and, liking the fighter personally too much where I over favor them. So I'm looking at that now. And I want to ask the British fans who've seen Wood more than me, you know, if I'm missing something. Because I, I see Wood as a guy against Conlon. He, he, does, he does have his head on the line. He gets hit. He doesn't move, which is tailor-made for Lara. But he has that resolve. He has that stamina. And he might be able to bang with him. Against Conlon, he basically boxed, and I think I think that was the wrong thing for him to do. And he finally like disobeyed his corner at the end, and, and just came out and just blasted Conlon out. So I'm wondering if he has that type of mentality, how it's going to play out. So I wanted to get your your thoughts on that real quick. It's interesting you bring up that question because um, I'm looking here in the chat, and Twall in the chat says. He feels Wood wins, and he said Lara is vastly overrated, and despite Wood not being special, he is at least solid technically, and he hits harder than Warrington. Um, so that's an interesting mm -hmm. uh, viewpoint. Um, it is. It's a fair point, yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, look, you got to favor I, uh, Lara. Uh, you got to favor Lara, but um, I expect this to be a damn close competitive fight. I really do. I do, too. I really think it has – potential to be fight of the year just because of the styles yeah i love bronco lara i mean i i'm just biased as hell because I, I love the guy as a fighter um 
but in, at his youth, he's peaking now. And I think Wood might be kind of, you know, ready to get toppled. And, you know, it just sets up perfectly for Lara to win. But again, that's misleading to me. So the way I see it, I see Lara early, um, breaking him down, winning the early rounds, and then slacking off a little bit, getting a second win, and then Wood will come on. And then Lara, around seven, eight, nine, comes on and maybe breaks him down and stops him with something hard. But if Wood can survive, if he can get past that round eight, get into nine and ten, that's where I think Wood could be dangerous. And I think Wood can really have a chance to stop Lara from like 10 to 12. But if it goes to decision, I feel Wood's going to get the benefit of, of the doubt. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's fighting at home. Um, again, the zone, I think, I think Mashroom probably would want Lara to win, but you never know. So like, again, I'm, I'm really on the fence. I, I don't have much to lose, but I could, I could take the smart road and just cash out now or, or roll the dice. So mm-hmm. either way, I'm probably going to wait till Friday or Saturday to make that decision at this point. So unless someone can convince me, but that's where I stand. I, I really think Lara gets them out. I don't see the fight going 12. Hmm. I, I took that at minus 420. Four, uh, so four to one odds that the fight stops before 12. Um, now, I think Lara's the guy to do it. And I think he does it between five and nine. But, you know, that's that's kind of where the uh, the odds are solid, where they're actually more or less favoring Lara early. You know, on the uh, on the stoppage, which kind of perplexes me, because if the over under now is six and a half, I think it goes over. I really, I really is think that the over under six and a half. Six and a half, yeah, and, and I and it's pretty much even even odds if I remember correctly. Um, that's that's a position I might take. I I, I think um, you know the odds are now going towards it, going going rounds. I think Wood is good enough to do that, but you know his you know body of work, he just he doesn't seem like a guy that's going to be able to get his head off the line and he's going to be there to be hit. And against a guy like Lara, who has concrete and no fists, and he's getting better. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't shock me if he blasts him out like around round six. So again, you know, you got to buyer beware on that. So uh, anyway, I'm just excited for this, this fight in particular. I think this kicks off, you know, the boxing season officially. Now we don't have football to contend with. Um, now, you know, all the action is going to be with boxing and March Madness up until, uh, you know, baseball season pretty much. So, you know, if you, if you really want to ramp up your show, now is the time to do it. Mm. I think there's a lot of people in the game, you know, looking to score on some of these fights. Cause let's be honest, the fights that are coming up, Zoo versus Harrison in, in, in Australia, that's, I think that's a gimme for Zoo. And I know a lot of people think it's going to be competitive and the odds are like that. He's only a two and a half to one favorite. I see him stopping Harrison in, in the yeah, last quarter see. of that fight. I yeah. think that Harrison's a that runner, is, so. you're getting value. Yeah. You, you are getting value in, in that. If you take him late, you're getting like three, four to one from the stop him like eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. That's where I think he gets it done. And then you have Garcia and Javante and we could all, you know, talk about that to the, the cows come home. But I think, I think they, um, you know, Davis, he's just, um, he hasn't fought anybody elite. I, I, this to me looks like a, a Marco Antonio Barrera versus Nassim Hamed fight. Hmm. Barrera just came in, just blasted him, you know, and, and Hamed wasn't able to do anything. I, I kind of see that, you know, if, if he could, if he could cut the weight, you know, in accordance, you know, to being semi-healthy, 
Because let's be honest, Davis has every advantage going into this with with the contract, right? Just like Mayweather, you know. But again, he he hasn't the pedigree. I, I think. I think he's been protected most of his career, and we all kind of agree with that. He yeah, he has explosion, but you know, Garcia, he's coming into his own. He's getting his man strength right now. He's a different fighter. He's not the same kid he was a couple of years ago. The more he matures, the more dangerous he gets. And that left that left hand, man, that is something of beauty. So, you know, a left hook against a southpaw, you know, (laughs) that's, uh, that's going to be a key. So I don't know if you have anything else to add, if you have any more time, but. Nah, I'll move on here in just a sec, but it's funny you bring up Javante Davis because I saw a thing on TMZ of all places. Uh, I guess Tank showed (laughs) up yesterday in a wheelchair and said he had hurt his ankle, Okay, but he expects to be back in the ring and he's still going to fight Garcia. So it. An odd look. Oh um, I don't know. I wow. don't know what to think at this point. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. Was he at the? So he's a shopping cart. <laughs> super, yeah. Yeah. Let me see if I can find wow. this uh, tweet. Uh, you know what? Before we do that, that reminds me of uh, you know in the movie Casino when all the uh, mob bosses came into the courtroom and you know they're wheelchairs and they had their oxygen yeah. masks on and they're trying to fake you know like oh pleading you know my health, you know, don't put me in jail. Maybe, maybe tank is going that route. He'll come into the, uh, the Baltimore, uh, courtroom where they're going to sentence him for that hit and run that he, uh, injured the, uh, the pregnant mother and four others. Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm ailing. Like yeah. take it easy <laughs> on me. Oxygen mask. Yeah. He was, it's um, looking right <laughs> here. Yeah, man. He was at the Super Bowl. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, it's TMZ, <laughs> so I don't know what to think. You know, they are so freaking bad. Right, right. But, um, yeah, right. there's a video here. I'm going to share the screen so you guys can see this while I talk to Thad. Uh, but <laughs> here we go. He's in a freaking wheelchair here. Um, wow. He needs a wheelchair a to get around to Super Bowl on Sunday after recently suffering an ankle injury. But the star boxer tells TMZ Sports he expects to be healthy for his huge upcoming fight. He added up the injury. Shit happens all the time. Shit be happening. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well well explained. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes proved that uh, his ankle injury was a real hindrance as well. You know, that re- that really so. details uh, everything right there. Shit be happening, Ben. All right. Um, so there's that. Um, <laughs> Mike, wait, wait. Go ahead. Go ahead. Listen, then, speaking of the Super yeah. Bowl. Yeah. Speaking of the Super Bowl, I have to get this out. I thought I saw Canelo Alvarez months ago in the Michelob commercial driving a beer cart. And then yesterday it was proven true that Canelo Alvarez indeed was in the um, the Caddyshack spoof of Michelob yeah. uh, Ultra on the golf course. And yeah. uh, did anyone pick up on that? Because, I mean, no one talked about it at all. Yeah, no, Canelo it was, driving it, the beer truck. It was on social media. The the clip of it, you know, was on boxing Twitter and Instagram and all that. You know, the thing is, though, like the commercial I saw, it, Canelo didn't talk or anything. And you saw him just for half no. a second. It was very, very quick. But it, right. it was definitely him. And I yeah. thought it was him. But I'm like, but yeah, I'm like wait, him. could it be? Nah, maybe it's just, that's hilarious. So yeah. I, I think that was uh you know, funny. So, okay, I'll let you go, Mike. Hopefully um, in the future when you start getting your, your Friday shows, yeah, up. we can really absolutely. get in the nitty gritty of these fights, and uh, and we'll go for there. But coming yeah, soon. I appreciate anyone anyone you know opinion on the fight coming up this weekend. I'll be great. All right, you guys Thanks have a good one. Fed. All right, there okay, he goes. Bye. There he goes. Uh, let's see, did I miss any super chats? I did miss one. Okay, real quick. Um, from Sam. Thanks again, Sam. He said Lara hits way harder than Conlon, and Conlon dropped Wood twice. 
That's a great point. Lara will knock Wood out in the early rounds. Wood won't see round four. Wow, that's a bold pick from Sam. So Sam has taken the under on the six and a half rounds. He has taken the under. I don't know, dude. Um, Conlon did drop Wood twice, and I don't know what Wood was doing. To, to Thad's point, Wood was trying to box him early. I don't think he's going to try to do that with Lara. I think he's going to try to get inside of his power and get a little rough and rugged in there. Um, I, I think it's going to go past the over. I, I don't know. I think it's going to go past the over. Uh, a couple guys, uh, let's see. Dark54 says, I think people underestimate Wood a lot. He's coming from two very, very good wins and seems to improve in each fight. Yeah. Although, you know, Lara seems to get better with each fight too. Um, hmm. Interesting stuff. Either way, that's going to be a fun fight. Fun fight. All right, let's get to uh, Nacho. Nacho, what's up, brother? How you doing? Hey, Mike. <clears throat> Haven't talked to you in a while. Uh, good to be back on. <laughs> yeah, good to have you back um, on, man. Just, yeah, just real quick. Um, about this weekend fight, um, the, uh, I, I like Oshanky Foster. I've watched him um, fight a few times, um, like on Showbox and, uh, you know, a couple of these other cars like Ring City and everything. So I knew who he was coming into the fight. I honestly was picking him to win the fight, too. I didn't think Vargas was going to be good enough to beat him. Um, but honestly, Mike, I just want your opinion. Is it a little bit of an indictment for Foster, who is considered the natural 130-pounder, to have actually been competitive with a guy who really is a 122-pounder moving up to 130 to try to win a belt, and he had never fought at 130 previously? Yeah, I hear what you're saying, and um, I, I'll just say this. Experience matters, and Vargas did have a lot of championship-level experience that he brought into the fight, uh, and, and Foster didn't. So this was kind of, to me, this was like Foster's proving ground, so I give him a pass on that. But um, I, I just I like Foster because he's like a guy that's done it the old-school way, man, and um, I think he's going to get better from this. I think this has given him – a new confidence. You know what I mean? I just, he doesn't seem to have like that world-class power though. That's the only thing. And that's going to cost him against certain fighters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. But I think his speed and his boxing will definitely keep him competitive yeah. and would help him beat certain guys though, too. Absolutely. So that's the advantage that he definitely has. Um, the uh, other two fights on that card, Mike, the heavyweight crap was fun to watch between Faust and Perro. But that ending was super bizarre because Faust was just tattooing Peril all night long. And Peril didn't have an answer at all for what Faust was doing until he went to the body and landed that hook to the to the right side, hurt Faust. And then Faust all of a sudden just went to the corner, turned his back, and then Peril landed like three or four shots, which I thought the ref would have deducted a point considering that Faust had turned his back and was not defending himself. So I was a little surprised he allowed him to just tee off on Faust. And then he didn't even like bother to count. He just said, okay, this fight's over. And I was like, wow, that is a really bizarre ending. Like did not see that coming for sure. Especially how Faust was just tattooing uh, pedal for the first six, seven rounds of that fight. It was a crazy uh, turn of events. Um, but neither guy to me, would legitimately be a top 15 or even a top 20 guy. Agreed. I think there are more guys who are like fringe guys who 
would probably make for entertaining fights, but they're not going to be like legit contenders anytime soon. Um, and then in the other fight, man, it's so hard to watch these guys on Showtime. The announcers talk about certain guys. Like I get Mario Barrios is like a favorite of some of these uh, announcers, but my God, they made it seem like Giovanni Santiago was um, Danny Garcia or some shit. Right. Like he really beat like a legit welterweight in there um, on Saturday. I was like, come on guys. Like this was a gimme. After him getting beat up by uh, Tank and Thurman, they wanted to give the kid a win for being a soldier and taking those Absolutely. two beatings for the company. Taking it for the you team. Know? So, yeah, taking it for the team. So people are reading in too much into this win. He's not a contender. He's just a guy at 47. And to be honest, I don't think he's going to win a title or anything. Although there was a couple of suggestions someone brought up that um, on Twitter what would you think about fights between him and, say, Blair Cobbs or Alexis Rocha? Both of those would be fun. Both of those would be fun, and he's kind of at that level. So, yeah, bring that on. I'd like to see those. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. I was thinking he's on that level just yep. like those guys, and, you know, I think he could make some money off of those fights for sure. Um, and then uh, about this weekend's fight, Mike, um, I'm a little, I'm a little of a different of opinion uh, regarding uh, Wood and Lara. I think that's going to be a really good scrap, but I don't see like some people are saying here that they think Lara's going to run rough shot through Wood. I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be a tight fight until towards the end. And if anyone's going to get the stoppage, I think it's going to be Lara, but it's going to be late. Mm-hmm. I just think Wood is going to come in there. He's going to. Um, try to stay as close as he can to Lara as far as, like, um, he's going to try to limit the amount of uh, damage that Lara can. Because Lara likes to throw bombs from the outside, and he likes to mix it up on the inside. But I think, like you said, Mike, he's going to try to stay in close enough to where he absorbs less damage at the beginning. And then as the fight wears on, I think he'll open up a little more, and then we'll start to see a really – tough fight develop in the second half of the fight. But I give the advantages to Lara because, like you said, I think he's developed into a little bit better fighter. Wood is good. Wood is a solid fighter. I'm not taking nothing away from him. But the fact that a guy like Michael Conlon, who is not a puncher, was able to hurt him, I think that speaks a lot of... That speaks volumes for what kind of a resistance Wood really has. And Lara is a puncher. So I'm going to be curious to see how he holds up uh, in that fight. But I still think Lara's going to get that stoppage late. I would probably venture to say it's going to be like 10 or 11, like TKO. I think that's what it ends up being. That That's my pick for that fight. And then lastly, Mike, um, the other fight that's going on this weekend, I wish I could go. I'm going to try to see if I can go because it's not that far away. I think that main event is going to be a really good scrap between Hovanesian and Neri. The only question I have is how motivated is Neri for this fight? Because Hovanesian is not a pushover. Every time he's fought, he gives guys hell. Mm -hmm. So if Neri thinks this is going to be an easy fight for him to win, man, he's so wrong because Hovanesian is going to be coming at him all night long and he's not going to back up and he's not going to take a step back. So Neri better come like in legitimate shape and he better be prepared to fight because Ovenesian's not just going to roll over for this guy. 
I wouldn't be surprised if Hovhannisian ended up beating Mary. That's how good I think Hovhannisian has become as far as, um, you know, he took a few losses early, but the kid is, is tough as hell. And he, he's going to get through one of these, one of these nights. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was against Mary, to be honest with you. So yeah, I agree. All right, Mike. Well, it was nice. Uh, yeah. All right. That, that's all I got, Mike. Um, I'm sure. I don't know if anybody else is calling in, but I'll let you get to it. All right. Thanks, Nacho. All right. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with Nacho that, um, you, you got to favor Neri. But as I mentioned, I think I mentioned this in my preview, Neri has been inconsistent. He's kind of been up and down. And that's what Nacho was getting at, where, you know, he, maybe he just doesn't take certain fights seriously enough or whatever. He's not as focused. Uh, Avanesian is going to come in 100% game. He's just 100% there. And he's going to give him all he can handle. So uh, it will be interesting to see how that winds up. And Hovhannisian's made a home in Los Angeles. He's, you know, he's from Armenia, but um, there's a big Armenian community. They're definitely going to be out there at the fight. And uh, it's going to be a fun atmosphere, real fun. Both of these fights will have a fun atmosphere in the crowd this weekend. And um, I, I definitely think they're both going to deliver. They're both like diehard fan type of matchups, right? And I think that um, th they should deliver pretty good action. Uh, super chat from Sam. Thanks again, brother. He says, uh, the earlier body shots did the damage. The last one finally broke his ribs. Several big shots to that same spot did him in bizarre for a heavyweight. And of course, Sam's talking about that heavyweight fight between Pero and, um, Vikerst. I, I know I'm butchering that name. I'm just looking at the way it's spelled here. And, um, yeah, the Ukrainian was, boxing better against the Cuban, but the Cuban went to the body. And I did see an interview where Victor said that there was a rib injury. He said there was something up with his ribs. So he had to break something, uh, man, broken ribs hurt, hurt real bad. Uh, especially if it's really, really busted. Uh, a couple of you guys talking about this in the chat. Um, Aaron's asking about, uh, Alexander Vojdik. Yeah. Alexander Vojdik actually fought last weekend. I made a comeback and he fought, uh, can't remember what card it was on it was on a small card in uh, against a you know nondescript opponent but um I, I don't know how he looked i haven't seen the fight yet but from all the reports i've heard he looked pretty good and he wants to get back in the mix he briefly retired and i think he wants to get back in there i think it'd be a welcome addition back to 175 because that division isn't necessarily stacked right now it's very top heavy and Voshnik at his best damn good fighter really really good fighter so, um, yeah. Okay. You know what? We've got time guys We're running right at an hour. Um, I can, I can grab another call or two, but they're going to have to literally be like two minutes. So you guys got to run through this real fast. Okay. Let's jump to Tony out in LA. Tony, you got 120 seconds. Go. <laughs> I'll do my best. Uh, Vostick's fighting on some Marvin card, I think. Uh, so I'll let you know about that one. Uh, Journalistic integrity and boxing is basically non-existent now, so Espinosa has to do cleanup at that corporate chicken talk platform for the boxing scene tank number lies. Is that true? Uh, what you talk about, like the YouTube channels, the chicken talk YouTube channel he, thing? He, he, he said that the numbers on boxing scenes for tanks. Oh, they are like under 200,000. Yeah, there's some interview where he kind yeah. of admitted. <laughs> I think he like didn't yeah. realize what he was saying and like screwed himself over by like saying it was 
much less, not much less, but less than what was reported on the boxing scene. He kind of admitted it. So, yeah, kind of made himself look dumb. But, you know, I'm with you. Journalistic integrity in boxing is completely gone. And it's just it's burnt me out, dude. I used to fight the good fight and thought I was really making a difference. And now I realize the shit just keeps going in circles. No, no, and, hey, keep the fight up. Yeah, if you uh, I don't know. I don't know. I know you have to pay for it, man. I know you have to pay for it. I feel for you. Yep. I know I don't help as well. So I'm sorry. How's that? (laughs) (laughs) All good. All good. Uh, I wanted to address the Bevo Better BFC. I think I know what's going on, but. It'd probably be in better BM's interest if he tries to make a fight with Canelo because that's probably the only way he'll get the undisputed title shot. What? So you don't think what him and better BM would be undisputed? Canelo, if he fights, goes and because right now he's going to have to renegotiate with Bivol, and if he has to renegotiate, oh, you're talking about for Canelo, for Canelo, okay? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. He should just he should just negotiate with Better BM because he has to start from scratch, right? Mm. That's the only way Better BM's going to be able to push people for the title shot. Okay. Hey, look, Canelo. You know can, what I'm saying? I hear what you're saying, but Canelo can do whatever the hell he wants at this oh, point. I know, dude. He's yeah. in the driver's seat right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, I, uh, I, the John Roger fight makes a ton of sense. And go into Mexico. Oh, no, and I'm talking that. about after Ryder. After Ryder. Yeah, after, yeah. He still has to um, work on his wrist injury. You know what I mean? So yeah. we got to see how that, that heals. So I'm all good with the Ryder fight. I mean, it's in Mexico for Mexicans. I, I'm all good for it. Because is it true that Canelo fights in Mexico are all three? That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. Now, I okay. don't know how That's the rumor. zone... Okay. May have changed that because the zone, you know, okay. I, I'm not. I, I don't want to cause you trouble, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, I, I know okay. for a long time they were. They were basically on national TV. And, and anyone in the chat wants to correct me, please do. But that's what I've heard. And they do massive ratings. Okay. Massive ratings. Yeah. All right. Uh, I did not anticipate them sending. Harrison to go against Sue for sure. But now that screws Liam Smith over. I think Loeffler should talk to Team Crawford about setting up a Smith Crawford fight in England. Huh. Smith Crawford in England. At this point, why not? I got I gotta be honest though, dude. I am not interested in anything Errol Spence or Terrence Crawford do right now. I'm just not. Until they fight each other, I don't give a shit who they fight or where they fight. I just don't care. I'm not going to watch any of them. I don't know if they watch you or not, if the Thurman fight's going to happen or not. Keelamon ghosting everyone right now, so I I don't know what to say. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm with you. So I'm I, with you. Uh, uh, last thing, Donaire should get a title fight with Inouye, Takuma Inouye, for the vacant WBA, WBC belt, because he's not going to give up his WBC spot. And um, Astro Labio and Rodriguez is 
mandated by the IBF. And Maloney, I think, is going for the WBO, but I think I want to see him fight Iota because they're having that problem with that Iota Nakatani fight. So if Ioka moves up to fight Maloney, the other Maloney gets to have a title shot against Nakatani in either Australia or Japan. That works. That works for me. I don't mind Donaire doing that. I don't want to see Donaire against the monster again. I know you do, but I don't want to see that. Well, no, I, I don't want to see it. Well, I but, bro, I got to move on to the next one. I got to move on to the next one. Thanks a lot, Tony. Thanks for the call. All right. Appreciate it, All bro. Right. All right, we're going to grab one more call. Mindiola's on the line, and he's like, I'm on hold, damn it. All right, we're going to get you real quick, brother, real quick. Michael Mindiola, what's I'm up, sorry, brother? Man. How you doing, man? Hey, man, how are you, brother? Hey, yeah. that was more than 120 seconds, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it was. It okay, was. I'll be real quick, okay? Keep being uh, – Vazic did not look that good this Saturday. Um, okay. And the strange thing was is that the last minute they moved – and this happens in boxing. If you've ever worked with a four- or a six-round fighter, sometimes you'll be scheduled for six rounds to get chopped down to four because of time constraints. Vazic was supposed to fight an eight-rounder. It got changed at the last minute to a six-rounder. He ended up, you know, I mean, he won, uh, you know, uh, he won every round on all cards. But it was very strange because I'm thinking to myself, it was sold out, by the way. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I mean, a, a good sparring session or a couple good sparring sessions would have done a better service to him than, than this fight. Mm. Just very strange to see what, what he did coming to this little local promotion here. It's not a local promotion, Marvin Nation. They are local. They're trying to make their, their name on the big stage. Obviously, with the um, pro gray and the pay fight. Either way, um, most of the crowd was there to see uh, one of the Vargas boys fight. Um, e- either way, it's just kind of strange. But Vazic, I don't know. I mean, I wish him well, but I don't know. Three years out of the ring and then to come in to fight on this little card was a little, a little bit strange. Yeah, I've seen it before, this sort of thing. And usually it doesn't end well. So I don't know what the point of it is. I'm not sure what his goals here are. Maybe get into another big money fight, uh, getting into another title fight. But, I mean, the two main guys, it's Better Biev and it's Bivol. Um, Better Biev yeah. already broke him down and beat him. And Bivol would be a huge favorite to beat him right now. So I'm not sure what the goal here oh, is yeah. or where it's going, if there's any build to it. I guess we'll see. Okay, the last thing, and then I'll hang up is um... – we had, we had a, a discussion in the chat. I don't know if you saw, there's a big debate on the, the scene where uh, all the old mobsters come into the courthouse with breathing apparatuses and oxygen tanks. Mike, you're an Italian. You got to sum it up. It was casino. It wasn't yeah, yeah. Godfather and it wasn't good. It, it was casino because it's after Artie Pascano dropped dead. And it, remember when we said, these are, these are my, my mom's books. or something. Oh, yeah. What people didn't think it was casino in the chat. I didn't see that. Um, well, people were going in the chat for the Lex recording said it was a, uh, uh, he said it was uh, Goodfellas, and then he said it was Godfather, oh. and Sam A was like, no, it's Casino. It, it was, was Casino, because I remember the voiceover from Pesci saying, um, exactly. you know, these guys, guys are going to start getting whacked, because the old men met in the back of the courthouse and said, we got to start clipping some of these guys to, you know, clean up loose ends. <laughs> so I remember that very well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Great freaking All movie. right, thanks, Faison. Have a great one, man. Oh, right, you too, man. All right, there he goes. Bye. There he goes. All right. Um, Super chat from Sam again. Thanks again, Sam. You had a bunch on the show. I appreciate it, brother. He said, didn't have an easy and beat Oshaki Foster. I, I don't remember the two of them fighting. Are you talking about the amateurs? I'm pulling up Crazy A's record here. 
and I don't see Osheki Foster on there. Uh, really, the only you know he's fought a couple of top guys. He fought Ronnie Rios, beat him, and then he fought Ray Vargas, lost to him. Those were at 122. Those are probably his most notable opponents to date, though. Um, he did lose a couple of fights early on, like four rounders, six rounders, no big deal. Those were kind of like learning fights. And uh, since that loss to Vargas, as I mentioned, I think he's won like seven straight, but it's been against lesser opposition. So I haven't seen Hovanesian uh, or Osheki Foster fought, unless I'm missing something. You guys can correct me. But um, to my knowledge, they did not fight. Okay. All right, guys, that is it. We are all done. Have a great, great week. Um, we will be back to regular programming next week. We'll be back at the 5 p.m. Eastern slot and a full show. And then we'll get back to the Friday show as well. So all that coming next week. All right, guys, appreciate you dealing with me. And uh, while I've had to kind of do these short shows the last few weeks, but next week, it's all back to normal. Right? So you guys have a great week. I'll see you at the fights. Peace.